for the benefit of those with flash photography. Hello, welcome, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, welcome to DreamWork. I, as always, am Colin Delaney. In a moment, I will be joined by my tag team partner, Cheech, and this is DreamWork, a podcast where we discuss tag team wrestling. Uh, So, it already feels weird. Usually, I record this intro after me and Cheech have already recorded the episode, but due to some travel things this week i am recording the intro first so i have no idea what me and Cheech are going to talk about well i know what we're going to talk about i know the team we're going to talk about but i don't exactly know what he's going to say uh anyways i am on the road this weekend to new south pro wrestling down in hansville alabama for their hoss tournament heart of southern 16 tournament which you can catch live on iwtv on friday and saturday So uh, that's what I'll be doing, and that's where you can catch me, and that is why I am recording the intro now. What the intro is for, you might be asking. You're not asking. You already read it. It's the dynamic duo. It is Chris Adams and Gino Hernandez, uh, a team with a a tragic story and a team that could have been uh, so much more potentially uh, had not been for all the, the tragic surroundings. Uh, I don't want to say too much because I don't know what me and Cheech are going to say yet, but let's get right down into it. Let's talk about Gentleman Chris Adams and the handsome half-breed Gino Hernandez. Let's talk about the dynamic duo. Cheech. Colin. We are recording a bit later than usual right now. It happens. So were you watching AEW? Yes, I was. Did you see Tully Blanchard in the year of our Lord 2021? (laughs) This is not the year of our Lord. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I saw Tully Blanchard. Holy smokes. It's almost appropriate that this would be the week that that this team has been chosen why is that well the original dynamic duo okay yeah that's true that's true is tully blanchard and gino hernandez i know which threw me for a loop i did not know that i i only knew the team we're covering as the dynamic duo in wrestling so i actually i know of gino hernandez because i got a tape when i was younger and it had some Tully Blanchard, Gino Hernandez matches on it, and then uh, some matches of them teaming, and then some matches of them against each other. And I remember like going into it and looking up, like, "Holy crap! What happened to this Gino Hernandez guy? He was real good." Yeah, he definitely was. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So Tully uh, on this day, Tully Blanchard wrestled in a match on national TV and looked good and spry. By the way. I dug his, uh, I, I called it like his, his bowling ball type shirt outfit he had going. It was very regal. He was wrestling in what J.J. Dillon would wrestle in back in the 80s when he would wrestle in horseman matches. Yeah, I dug it. I dug it. It looked good. 
It was like the same outfit. I was like, oh, no way. He's wearing the JJ outfit. And they had JJ with him. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, so this this team, uh, we are talking about gentleman Chris Adams and the what, the handsome half-breed. Yes. Gino Hernandez, my favorite nickname of all time. My new favorite nickname of all time, promise. I love it. Okay, here's my question. Is that an okay terminology in 2021? Because I was like, here's the thing. I am the same both half-breeds. I, I can't imagine that it is. <laughs> I, I just assume it's bad, but I was like, could I be the new handsome half-breed? Because I'm both the same half-breeds as him. I am uh, I'm almost upset that I'm not the same half-breeds as him because I also want to be the new handsome half-breed. Yeah, and we, we have the same last name. I've deemed it we're related. It's okay. It's okay. But yeah, we're talking about gentleman Chris Adams and the handsome half-breed Gino Hernandez. Yes, the dynamic duo. This is probably the deepest we've gone. Yeah, not going to lie. Part of me was like, hmm, I wonder if this is a little bit out of the demographic. But part of me was like, no, I still want to do it. Oh, yeah, no. So after we did Bushwhackers, and and like we discussed, it was almost more of a historical uh, uh, project to do. I was like, oh, no, hell yeah, this will be fun. Yeah, that's exactly. I, I approached this the, the very similar, very similar. I was like, oh, okay. I've heard about them forever. Same thing. I had heard about, like, of course I'd seen the Bushwhackers, but I'd heard about the Sheep Herders. So I was like, ooh, let's see. And, you know what I mean? I've heard about this team before, and I've watched a decent amount of world class, but their run wasn't too, too long. And, like, since it's all historical, it does kind of all mesh together, so they don't necessarily, like, stick out. Because when you're watching just years and years in a row, like I've tried to, it's like, okay, they, they're there, you see them, but they're amongst the sea of others. This was great to be like, all right, let me dig in and see what everybody's talked about. So that kind of, that kind of jumps us right into preliminary thoughts. So for me personally, uh, like I said, when I was a kid, I had a, a, I say a kid, but I was probably like a young – I was probably a teenager. Probably I had started wrestling already, was getting – into tapes and, and watching all kinds of different stuff. I had a tape that had some Tully Blanchard and Gino Hernandez matches on it. And I've always been fascinated about Gino Hernandez because I didn't know too much about him. And he, he really wasn't around for that long. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where my mind went first. I mean, I I'm familiar with Chris Adams from, you know, all the other random things that you would see Chris Adams on, but Gino Hernandez, I've always been uh, intrigued about him so that was my thought going in i was excited to to catch a little more yeah i was just pumped because once again i was just doing we were trying to come up with a team i was doing a search on the network i was like how many matches do they have on there and they had a enough that like a normal amount that we would cover so i was like oh wow that's surprising so i was like all right i'll put that out there as a as an idea but once again i did think i was like i don't know this is a little too old for everybody but i was like okay we did new day last week which is like the newest of the new like they're still going so i was like i think it's okay if we go into the Wayback machine for this one we'll see when this when this has like four listens <laughs> <laughs> i know i don't care no it might not it might not people i mean it's I think it's good for us as a team to study classical teams as well. Yeah, no, I listen, I was I was in if I didn't like it, I would've I would have shot it down. But my Gino Hernandez fascination uh drew me in. Yeah, that threw me for a loop when I pitched it to you and you were like, Oh yeah, I'm really interested in Gino Hernandez. I was like, hmm? 
that's a little odd, but okay. I did kind of assume it was there was a Tully connection there. Yeah, yeah, they were the original dynamic duo back in uh, uh, like 82, 83, before Tully got big. Him and Gino were a thing, and then they feuded, and then Tully went off to uh, uh, Mid-South. Yeah, I had to assume. I was like, all right, I assume that was your gateway to Gino was Tully. But yeah, no, I had just seen him. I, of course, was interested because he was a Hernandez, and I am a Hernandez. So, of course, I was always like, oh, who's this guy? All right, so... Uh, let's get into their championships and accomplishments. Okay, yes, bring it on. Okay, they are two-time NWA American Tag Team Champions. Cool. They are one-time NWA World Six-Man Tag Champs with Jake Roberts. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and PWI put them at number 65 on their top 100 teams of all time. Okay, cool. I'm glad they got up there. I was a little worried. I was like, I wonder where they rank? Because once again, it was only about a yearish or so their run. I mean, it was big for the company they were in, but once again, it was just a territory. Yeah. Uh, other other small stats because their their accomplishments weren't many. Uh, as some may or may not know, Chris Adams is credited with training Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, he is. Uh, his Wikipedia also claims he trained Scott Hall, but I cannot find anything to back that up, and it doesn't seem right at all to me. Yeah, it does seem a little off. <laughs> and Gino Hernandez trained by the legendary Jose Lothario. Yeah, Texas. Yeah, that make, that one lie. When I read that, I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> but that's really it. That's, that's really uh, all I could grab for the dynamic duo's accomplishments. Well, that's, you know, once again, they weren't the longest running, but they were big in where they were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. But uh, when you watch them and then you, you, you know, you find out that people don't know the name of this team, you're like, really? Wow. Like, if you just showed somebody this team from 1985 and were like, check them out, they'd be like, wow, whatever happened to them? I bet they made a bajillion dollars but not to be for either of them okay then yeah let's before we get into the 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 good let's let's talk the the elephant in the room the the i would say tragic demise of both members of this team are are big uh yeah they're big linchpins especially in the tragedy that is world-class wrestling yeah so to start this exercise i watched the dark sides of the ring about the murder of gino of gino hernandez the best was you told me that and i was like all right that's a weird entry point but then when i went on like youtube to look up like their matches one of the first things that popped up was uh chris adams documentary about his downfall and i was like oh boy you could you could enter in that way too Man, I would have if I'd have seen that, I'd have also done that, and that's a bad thing. I was legit creeped out by the dark sides of the ring about Gino Hernandez. I checked the back seat of my car before I drove. Oh, brother! Like I'm, I, I'm a fan of world class. I'm not a fan of the downfall, but that is a big part of when you're a fan of world class. And I mean, I'll put it out there: uh, there is it's the Lapsed Fan Podcast has like I think it's like 90 hours of podcast covering it's called the lamentable tragedy of world-class wrestling and they go like year by year 
and hour upon hour. And I was like, I, I feel like I got to dig into it one day. But I was like, yeah, that's how tragic we're talking to people. You can get 90 hours worth of tragedy out of what goes down in Texas. Holy crap. I remember I watched the, uh, what is it? The high spots, uh, rise and fall or, uh, whatever they did. They did a world-class documentary years ago. Yeah, there is, there's the, yes, there's the high spots independent one. And then there's the WWF one. I like the high spots one just cause it goes a little more in depth. It, it, it's slightly longer. I've seen both. I enjoy both, but yeah, if you can, they're both on like YouTube too. I'd say definitely look them up. But yeah, these two guys are big cogs in the wheel that was world class, but them plus Von Eriks plus all sorts of other shenanigans. It's it's a tragic demise when it was I was okay watching the matches until I got to like the late matches and I was like, oh, this is getting a little weird. So for those who don't know, Gino Hernandez died of what is ruled uh, a cocaine overdose in 1986. But if you look into it and you watch the dark sides of the ring, uh, it's it's pretty much all but uh, <laughs> a certainty that he was murdered because he was into some crazy stuff back then. With some bad and then, people. <laughs> yes. And then gentleman Chris Adams uh, died in the early 2000s while he got shot in the chest while he was on trial for manslaughter of his then girlfriend. Yeah, he also had his problems. <laughs> well, obviously, you, you'd assume with substances with such a downfall with like that as well. But yeah, quite quite the uh, tragic. Uh, I was thinking about like you know how we were talking about like oh this is the highest rated team ever ratings wise. Oh this is the highest rated team snowflake wise. I go this is probably the most tragic team period. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, for sure. If if we did the original dynamic duo, uh, only one half of this story is tragic. If we did, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, oh, I forgot to mention. Uh, do you know who the last dynamic duo was? Who would that be? It would be Al Snow and Kane in uh, Smoking. Oh, Hunt. yes, that's right. I also ran across them when I looked it up on YouTube. Because, yeah, if you look up dynamic duo, I saw some cool matches. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I didn't know about that. And then I was like, oh, it's with Tully. Uh, so... That being said, any other dynamic duo, not that tragic. This one, wow, tragic. Yeah, it was that was rough. So yeah, we gotta we gotta point that out before we we talk about how good they were in ring because out of ring things were a bit of a mess apparently. <laughs> so let's talk about the matches we watched. Okay, uh, <laughs> well, okay, I'll I'll go through my list first, and then I assume your list is very similar, and then I'll I'll talk about how we almost got a two for one here. Um, the matches, I don't even think I necessarily need to put the dates. It was all between 80. Mine, I think we're all 85. I think there's one in 84 and one in 86, but uh, I started off hot with a versus Kevin and Kerry Von Eric. Then I had a Kevin and, Oh no, this one was Kerry and Brian Adias. I saw one of those. Then I saw another Kevin and Kerry then I saw uh, Kevin and a Billy Jack Haynes. Oh, no, it was just Billy Haynes there. Uh, then another Kevin and Kerry. Then another Kevin and Kerry. Then a Kabuki and Scott Casey. Then a Brian Adias and Iceman King Parsons. Then a Kevin and Kerry, a Kevin and Kerry, a Kerry and Kabuki. Uh, Cosmic Cowboys, which were Kevin and Kerry. 
then uh, Brian Adias and Mark Youngblood, and then uh, Kevin and Kerry. And then I found uh, this one was in '84. It was a Kerry and Mike Von Erich. I was I was I was intrigued by that one. But yeah, that was that was my list. What's your list looking like? So it looks a lot like that list, just potentially shorter. So I watched uh, Kabuki and Casey. I watched Kevin and Carrie. I watched Kevin and Carrie. I watched Kevin and Billy Jack Haynes. I don't care that he was just Billy Haynes. I'm calling him Billy Jack Haynes. I watched Carrie and Kabuki. I watched Carrie and Brian Adias. I watched Carrie and Kevin. I watched Iceman King Parsons and Brian Adias. And I watched The Cosmic Cowboys, which is Kevin and Carrie. <laughs> okay, yeah. As I was watching this, I was like, boy, we're kind of also covering the team of Kevin and Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Man, because uh, I watched... I I didn't go Von Erichs first. I tried to go other teams first. But then when I got to a straight Kevin and Kerry match, I was like, man, Kevin and Kerry were wacky. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. Let's get them out of the way first. Because since we since like like we can't not talk about it. Like, okay, this is this is my weird thing. Um Fritz von Erich was running the most elaborate kids basement wrestling of all time. Because <laughs> I swear to God, Kevin Von Erich is that annoying kid. Like when you go to someone's house, you got to be super nice, and like they have that one kid who's way too playful and way too roughhousing and kind of mischievous. Like he literally is just playing with human bodies. Uh, and w- and one of those human bodies is his own. Oh, I know. It's just he literally looks like he's a kid playing in his dad's big elaborate stage production thing and he's just having a ball like you know what i mean like you know when they show like wrestlers like behind the scenes and like there's they're you know 10 and 12 year olds are in the ring and they're all jumping around the ropes that's literally kevin and carrie but they're giant they're jacked and gassed to the gills holy crap are they jacked so uh the the dynamic duo are are two guys in good shape yeah, they're yeah, they're definitely yeah, they're for their day, they are good athletic bodies. You put them next to two Von Erics and you were like, what? Like, what is even what are they being fed in Denton County? Uh it's ridiculous. And like yes, yes, here's the thing. In eighty five, like steroids were legal and stuff. Like, I'm not shading them, like if they did or didn't, like they definitely were, like it is what it is, but like also genetics help too those that those two those two at least the rest of the family gets a little gets a little weird but those two cut out of granite (laughs) uh so so we get kevin and carrie a bunch here uh so what's uh i'm missing one the 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 von eric that everyone says was the best david was David. david and david's already gone by now yes yes Okay. Uh, that's what I thought. I was like, it's not Kevin. There was another one, and I'm pretty sure the other one was thought to be, like, the the best of them. Yeah, yeah. He was the actual, like, worker. Because these two, once again, like I said, I felt so bad for the dynamic duo. I was like, they're not wrestling. They're surviving the Von Erics. So, uh, leading up to watching <laughs> the dynamic duo wrestle, the Von Erics. Like I said, the first match I watched was them against Kabuki and Scott Casey because I was like, I like this. I'm gonna I'm gonna work my way into Von Erics. I'm gonna start Von Eric free. 
Yeah. And then you get into them working the Von Erics, and the first thing I wrestled was, oh my god, they're the perfect foils for the Von Erics. Oh, it was so good. Here's the thing, though. I also I also wanted to say that, but then I was like, there's still the Freebirds feud to come. Yeah, but I mean, for the time and like right then, like they, oh yes, there was they they bumped and sold around like madmen. They were handsome. They were charismatic. But like, but can we talk about the style? It took me a while, but I was like, what is this? It's literally it's schoolyard fighting <laughs> in a ring. Yeah, yeah, to a degree. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, it did take me. Or, I realized after a while. I go, okay, their formula is just different. Whereas, like in a normal match, you would have like chain wrestling and exchanging holds and moves that would then build to quote unquote high spots where you know big things happen. Here, no, it's literally just brawling to then a big something happens to more brawling. Like all the interludes are all just brawling and like. No, I give you a second to breathe. If you give me a second to breathe, my partner's going to jump in and jump on you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was impressive. It was great. And I was like, wow, these are great matches if they're like blow-offs. But it was like, no, they did this every week. That's crazy. Well, so, they, right. Because they, they didn't have uh, clean finishes. The The only difference between those matches and uh, pay-per-view, uh, like big-time matches, were clean finishes. Yeah, and then in their bigger matches, like the ones at the Bulls and stuff at Reunion Arena, uh, at Star Wars, uh, things like that, they definitely, you know, pulled out bigger stuff. But still, it was just fighting. Like one of the matches I tried to watch was, and there was more than one. I believe it was the 12-man, three out of five fall battle royal two-ring match that they would do. What are you talking about? Yeah, because here's the thing. Dynamic Duo was definitely in it, but it was weird because some teams were three-man teams and some were just straight tags, but somehow you had to get three falls. I couldn't watch it. I tried. No, <laughs> no I'm out. Like those boxing matches where it's like uh, a five-on-one and you're like, I kind of am interested, but then you start watching and you're like, this makes no sense to me. I can't do it. Yeah, it was crazy, but that's what I'm saying. Like, But, yeah, but to contradict that, though, even on those big shows, they did do more. Like they did have like their pay-per-view style too. Sure. Kind of <laughs> to a degree, to a degree. Like it was fun. Here's the thing. It kind of threw me for a loop for a while. Cause all I, cause there was just so much Von Erickson there. And I feel like those matches, it was hard for me to compare because there were so many Von Erick matches, but I feel like those were more your wrestling Von Erick style. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, my like, favorite. Yes, the fighting is Texas style, but I was like, these feel like they're always wrestling a Von Eric match. And later on, when I finally dug the Adidas and the Youngblood match, where like they're actually wrestling, I was like, oh wow, this is a breath of fresh air. Uh, what is your favorite world class championship wrestling gimmick? What do you mean? Mine is. Friend of the Von Erichs, Brian Adias. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I was. I always liked Brian Adias because literally that was his whole thing. He was, oh, he <laughs> played football in high school with Kevin, or no, with Kerry. That's what it was. Him and Kerry played football together in high school, so they've known Dude, each other forever. It cracked me when they. So I see his name a bunch, and then right off the rip, they're like, "Good friend of the Von Erichs, Brian Adias," and I was like, "Oh my god, that's this guy's gimmick." <laughs> Yep, a thousand percent. 
and I love it. And he was, here's the thing, like, and that makes you like he was high up, like on the babyface chart, just solely being, oh, I know Carrie, I know Carrie from high school. <laughs> he was pretty good though. He he really wasn't bad. He, he uh, him and him and uh, uh, Chris Adams had some decent chemistry. They would move. They would do some things. Oh, they definitely did. And and I'm glad you noticed. If things were to be done, it was gentleman Chris Adams, and not so much because not that uh, Gino couldn't. Gino definitely could. That's why I really liked it when him and Adidas hooked up. Um, but like, gentleman Chris Adams, once again, is why he was such a good trainer. He was smooth as silk, and it was it was impressive how he was able to weave that into that Texas style. I can't remember. There was a match where Gino started the match and I was literally taken aback. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I'll get to it now. My One of my favorite things, and this is, I think this is just Gino to a T. His, my favorite thing was Chris would do a big, long spot, blah, blah, blah. You'd almost forget Gino was there. Gino would get tagged in, immediately whip the guy off gun like a clothesline or a back elbow, and he would celebrate. And not in, like, the ironic, like, oh, no, I know my partner did all the work and I just came in. No, no, he was legit so proud. Like, yeah, that's how badass I am. It was great. But it was, once again, because he played off of Chris Adams once again going in there and was being such a fantastic technician. It's my. It's also my favorite spot. It is very Larry Sweeney. Okay, I'm, well, I'm sure Sweeney took it from him. Well, yes, but it like because it's it wasn't even like I don't even know how to describe. I didn't just I did not write celebration. I wrote back elbow slash clothesline followed by incredible strut. Um, I dubbed it the. Uh, I said he looked like a quail. <laughs> I, whatever it is, it's unbelievable. There's other matches. Uh, he did it after a hip toss once. Yeah. Oh, no. It would always be, you know, matches going on. He eventually comes in, hits one move, and then just preens and struts and gets heat and everything, but not in the weird, like, ironic way. Okay. You'll know it, and we'll explain it. Okay. Not in the Cloud Lee way when they would do it. Cloudly was Brody Lee and Cloudy would team and Brody would do a bunch of stuff that Cloudy would come in and act like he'd take all the glory. And it was like, okay, we all obviously get the joke. This was not that. This was literally, he would come in, hit one move and think he was the man. And he would strut around that ring. Like it was nobody's business. And, but not for nothing. Uh, Chris Adams also had like, it wasn't like, I feel like we're setting the table in a weird way where it sounds like Chris Adams was like doing all the work. And then Gino was just all the personality, but uh chris adams surprisingly had a bunch of personality himself yes okay um uh i'll help adjust it i feel like they were both 60 40 but like in the opposite way like okay yeah you know what i mean like chris was 60 40 uh technician and personality and then gino was personality and then technician because like i said i really liked it when he did have to actually do it but i felt like he was just like okay we're heat machines We've got this great technician. He's from Britain. Let him go be smug. Because that was the other thing. They were bad guys, but, like, Chris Adams would do his stuff. Like, one of the matches opens, he does something like a high spot and then does the suicide dive on the carry and then starts beating on him. And I was like, that kind of doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of things. But it's like, no, they've been feuding forever. Like, he really wanted to fight him. So he legit did a tope suicida, suicide dive right through, got on him and gave him the business. And I was like, wow, that's crazy to think like, oh, in 85, the heel just went crazy and hit a big dive and went nuts and like shined, quote unquote. 
Well, back then, you know, it, now it's 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 set as a thing. Uh, yeah. You know, back back then it was so new. It could be a heel move for all we knew. Yeah, it's true. And plus, once again, like they're like today, wrestling could tend to be very formulaic. This definitely wasn't because once again, it was literally just like schoolhouse fights in a ring. And like eventually they would hit some wrestling moves, but a lot of time it was a whole lot of punching, choking, and like throwing guys off ropes and then hitting them. Which it was a lot of strikes. Yeah, and and uh, always backdrops. I don't think I saw a single match without a back body drop. Oh well, of course, yeah, that one because that was pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, you just bend over and you know you lost the guys with all your might. It's not too hard. You say it was pretty simple, but there's a lot of guys bumping on their tailbones. <laughs> oh, of course, that's on them. But I'm just saying, as a guy delivering, you know what I mean? In 1980, yeah. that wasn't like a, you know what I mean? That wasn't hard to do, even though it was a big move for 85. But you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't complex. Uh, it, also, my favorite thing, right off the rip, because I, I know of Chris Adams. I used to, uh, I can't remember what came on late nights on Fox, but there was some wrestling that came on late nights on, on Fox when I was a kid and Chris Adams would be on there. And at the time I only knew him from like WCW jobs. Yeah. So then I started getting a look at him on this where he was actually doing some other stuff, but all I ever knew about him was that he threw a super kick. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and, and he the- threw it anywhere, <laughs> anytime. The first match I saw, the first thing he does is try to throw a super kick. And I was like, perfect. Literally perfect. Oh, yeah. No, that was definitely his thing. I I loved it because then when he was tangling with Kabuki and Kabuki had his thrust kick, I go, it's the same kick, guys. Come on. Yeah, it's the same kick. and I But I do like that uh, back of the head was a finish. Back of the head super kick was like, the big heel Chris Adams finish. Oh yeah. Yeah. When Billy Jack puts, uh, uh, Gito in the full Nelson and he, here's the other thing. There's, uh, there, the, the super kick from Chris Adams, uh, comes in many different forms. One of those is he kills you with it. And he did on that one. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was thinking the same thing. He gets one on Carrie Von Eric in a later match. And I was like, Oh dude, no, thanks. Oh, well, I just assume the Von Erichs just asking for it as they just throw those poor men around and beat their asses all day. I was like, yeah, you know, those are some heat seekers coming in, those super kicks. Dude, some, though, because he because he gets a, an extension. You know what I mean? Like, when Shawn Michaels throws it, his leg's kind of already out there. Home dude throws it, he's coiled, and then he unleashes. And some of them, I was like, woo, doggy. And like I said, it's not always a finish either. Sometimes it's the first move of the match, sometimes it's in the middle of the match, sometimes it's the end of the match. But sometimes it's killer too. When it's in the back of the head, that's a that's a night night. Oh well, definitely. You know what else is a night night? Because I saw it a million times. Any version of the Iron Claw needs to be immediately broken up, which will then immediately cause a kerfuffle. Oh, uh, Carrie Von Erich doing a like a Billy Gun leapfrog straight into the Iron Claw. Oh, dude. Uh, my that favorite was, was at one point he gets both dynamic dudes in in claws. And, like, Kevin runs in and is like, crap, what do I do? And, like, legit has to look to his brother, because once again, these are kids in the basement play fighting. He's like, hey, let him go. And, and like, Kevin legit passes one off to him so he could put him in the, in the, in the claw. And I was like, it's literally kids playing in a basement. That's the hair match, right? 
I believe, well, yeah, there, they did it a couple times, but I was just like, it just struck me so much because there was literally that moment where Kevin like gets in, he's going to do something. He's like, oh, he's got them both. And he has to look at his older brother and be like, hey, let him go. <laughs> hey, man, hey, man uh, let me do one on him. Hey, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, come on, come on, come on. I want who I want him with his, his insane springboards of basically I'm just going to jump to the top and slide because my feet are bare. And oh my gosh, it's so crazy. It was wild. Yeah. The Von Erichs, uh, Kevin Von Erich specifically, I say the Von Erichs, but I'm talking about you, Kevin Von Erich. He's just throw his body at humans. Yeah. Crazy. He was, he literally, I was like, he's just, he's uh, what was, Oh, there's one line I put, I go, what Carrie lacks in psychology is what Kevin lacks in care for people's bodies. (laughs) And once again, one of those bodies being his own. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, so I don't know why I'm always the one who like has to point this out, but they had one double team move. Okay. Which one was that? Do you know what it is? <laughs> uh, uh, it is the catapult into the clothesline. Oh yeah. Which is pretty cool. Honestly, the first time I saw it, I was like, Oh, kind of dope actually. Cause he's on the apron. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this could be a finish. <laughs> Yeah, catapults them right up into it. They love to do it. It's the only, I don't like, you know, I don't expect teams back in that day really to have double teams. So when they bust them out, I'm like, ooh, interesting. And I always make note of it. And the dynamic duo did that quite a few times. Oh, definitely, definitely. That's their, that's their one. Yeah, it was 85, you know. And plus the one thing, which is also weird, was a lot of these matches were also, it was weird because in a okay, in a normal tag match, basically anything goes. And then they had matches where it was specifically, oh no, all four men can be in at once, which was quite often. So I was like, it was hard to differentiate. But like, I don't know if it was just okay. Like in one of the matches, Kerry uh, gets knocked out casually, and he's like on the table, and there just so happens to be a chair there. So Gino picks it up and whacks him with, and the ref seeing it, and I feel like the ref was just like, well, I can't really hold it against him. I mean, the chair was right there. It's, you know, how's he not going to use it? Like, it's just like chair shots are legal. Um, if you are doing a legit tag match, your partner can just come in any time for however long he wants randomly. So that Gino spot with the chair cracked me up. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But like, I was like, okay, the ref saw that, but like, I feel like the ref's just like, what it was right there you know i can't be mad at him i was like are there rules are there not i go people are mad about ecw this is 85 anything's going i was like what it's because it was in texas it's okay that was in the cow palace and there are people as far as the eye can see and when gino hernandez picks up that chair by the way it's not a folding chair it's just a chair and he picks it up by the top of it and almost just thrusts it down at Carrie because it's all he can think to do now that he has it in his hand. The crowd is mortified. Yeah, it's just crazy, but I'm like, and then the rest just like, okay, whatevs. <laughs> okay, so and speaking of, quick aside for world class, yo, what's up with your refs? You've got David Manning who's dying to be all over the screen, and then you got Bronco Lubitsch who's the complete opposite who could barely bend over to count a three. I did. I did go crazy though when David Manning took the Cactus Jack uh, into the ropes and and gets himself hung guillotine style. That was pretty dope. 
Bro, only you are are getting upset about world class refs right now. Bro, I'm just saying there's a big difference between David Manning and his tight tight shirts, and then Bronco Lubich who's half asleep. In <laughs> uh, the one match they like, they 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 get rid of Bronco and they get David Manning, and they're like a special ref, and like they but they don't really explain it, and like Gino and Chris are kind of mad. But it, but the commentators aren't even really putting it over as a thing. Yeah, no, no, like one of the matches, there's a DQ, and he's just like, "Oh no, you've this is the third time I'm holding the titles up." Which I was like, "Okay, it's the third time that is kind of cool." But I was like, "How dare he?" I was like, "This this uh, this referee wants way too much attention." Uh, can you explain the Cosmic Cowboys to me? Because the commentators seem to put it over as. Oh, it's Carrie and Kevin trying to pull a fast one on Gino and Chris, but that's all they said. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, because uh, I don't, but what I what I flipped on was the Cosmic Cowboys against the Dynamic Duo. Well, the Dynamic Duo, we know. The Cosmic Cowboys are just Carrie Von Erich and Kevin Von Erich dressed as Carrie Von Erich and Kevin Von Erich literally doing nothing different. In fact, the the TV, the thing at the bottom of the screen says Kevin Von Erich when it shows Kevin Von Erich. Okay. Now this is the one in 86, right? This is the 86 one where Gino Hernandez has the craziest tan anyone's ever seen. <sighs> okay, here wait. Well, let's 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 put that on pause because we got to get let's get there first. I want to go back a little bit to to well, the cage match, which was just weird because there were two other special referees in, uh, what was it, Brian Adias and Terry Gordy. I was like, that's just too many people in a ring. And, but, okay, no, I'm sorry. I want to go back even further to the hair versus hair match because that's where things get a little crazy. The hair versus hair match, you saw that one, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, it's amazing. It's outdoors in a giant arena. Um the match is a lot of them just making the Von Erics look good for a while. And then eventually they do their thing. But have you ever seen two men have, I wouldn't say fun, but like fulfilling their job of trying to be like, I don't want to get my hair cut. I've never seen it done better. They legit run through the crowd, the stands, and like the wrestlers have to like legit drag them back, uh, hold them by every appendage, hold them down while, and then I like this touch too of all the baby faces getting to cut little hair because the gimmick was they were going around for I think a month or so with these golden uh, scissors and they kept trying to cut everyone's hair and a couple guys they'd get a few from, but yada, 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 it leads to this big hair versus hair match. And then each baby face gets a little cut in before they eventually get the, 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 the buzzers out. But what's great is there's two of them, so then they have to do it all over again. They now have to drag in Gino, and he starts and fights and breaks away, and they have to get him back, and he's crawling, and they scratch him, and they get him back, and they shave their heads. It's amazing. And then my favorite is, uh, so Gino then gets out, puts something like a towel over his head, and he like bumps into a fan because he doesn't know where to go because he doesn't know where he's getting out. Some cowboy who must have been the security guard just looks at him and then just duffs the dude. <laughs> like I know, in the corner of the screen, you see this like Gino's trying to get out. He bumps into some guy. You see some tall cowboy dude. I don't know if he shoves him or punches him. You just see his arm, just like, and the guy just moving. I was like, whoa! I go, ah, it's Texas '85. Crowd gets a little crazy. I guess that's security. I don't know. But tell me, what did you think of that match and the whole presentation afterwards? 
So the the hair cutting is almost as long as the match, and yes. it's not a short match. I know. I thought that too because I was looking at the timer because uh, I watched it. I watched it both. I watched a little bit online in like some dope like 4K quality or okay maybe not that good but really good quality, and then I watched it on the network which was at the end of a TV show. But like I'm watching, I was like, there's still a lot of time left there. The match is done. I was like, oh, this haircut is going to take a while because once again they had to do one guy then the other. They they wrap the match up, but and the finish I I, I dug with the uh, the powder in the eyes, and then uh, somebody wipes like uses water and washes Carrie's eyes out, uh, so Carrie can get back in there. Uh, excuse me, you would love it. This is the fake cousin Lance that they announced beforehand. Hey everybody, look, that's their cousin Lance down there, Lance Von Erk. Do you know their cousin Lance Von Erk? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. He's my second favorite gimmick behind a uh, friend of the Von Erichs, Brian Adias. Yeah, instead of friend of, he's fake family member. Fake family member of the Von Erichs. Uh, but yes, uh, cousin Lance rinses out Carrie's eyes so he can get back in there. And then there's the powder that backfires. It was great. The whole, I loved the finish of that thing. Loved it. Yes, it was great. But now, so chronologically, this then goes into, okay, I don't know how to explain this, this piece of business. I don't know if it's quite a gimmick or whatever, but okay. So they got their head shaved. So now they're embarrassed. They were the Lotharios. Everybody loved them. They were sexy men. The ladies all loved them. And now they're like, oh, no, you've taken our good looks. So they both get identical masks and wear the same gear. And I fancy myself of, like, if someone's putting on a mask, I'll tell I can figure out who it is by their mannerisms. They legitimately look like twins. It's crazy. Yeah, the for the Iceman King Parsons Brian Adias match. Yeah, well, there's another one too. That there's another cage match. The, the cage match, they're wearing the masks too. Oh, I didn't watch the cage match. I rarely watch gimmick matches when we do this. Oh, okay, yeah, the, the cage match, they're wearing them too, and it's crazy because because uh, <laughs> Gino's not too tan yet. But like body wise, I was like, holy cow, they really do look super identical. Like it's hard to tell. And what I loved is, okay, time out. We need to put some respect on Bill Mercer, the uh, the announcer. He does a hell of a job because he even puts it over. He goes, he goes, of course, you could tell their personality shine out a little more and their mannerisms. And if you could tell the wrist tape is almost identical, but one's got a little bit less on that. I was like, oh, wow, what an amazing job as a as the announcer to be like, actually, if you look super close, you can tell them apart. And I was like, I always you know, what I mean, as the super fans, we were I always could tell, too. I was like, no, no, no. Look, he's. It's obvious homeboy's wearing a left elbow pad. The other guy isn't. It's easy to tell them apart. Like, but an announcers would never notice those things. But Bill Mercer totally did. But even I couldn't tell them apart. But like, whatever that gimmick is of, oh no, we're gonna hide under a mask or whatever. It's never been done better. Mercer gives up though mid match. Yeah. Oh no, I know because it's that confusing. It really is. He <laughs> if. If it was legal to say it, he definitely would have said fuck it at one point because he was like, he's like, and they got, they got Gino in the corner or maybe it's Chris. <laughs> I was just like, oh, he, he just had a, he just had a legit fuck it moment. Yeah. Cause that's that hard to tell them apart, but whatever that gimmick is. Cause like, okay, CM Punk did it. I think Kurt Angle did it. Anybody when they get their head shaved has tried this. And then like, we've done the whole tag dynamic. Like I was like, oh, is this where the killer bees came from? And did it not quite as good? Yeah. Cause then they used it to the, their advantage, at least in the, 
Parsons and Adias match. And the commentator puts that over hard. He's like, it's actually smart. He like is just yeah. putting them out. Like, even though they're bad guys, he's like, man, I didn't, it was slick. Yeah. They, I, it's great. They do like, they do little twin magic spots sometimes too. And I was just like, it like, but the fact that even I, you know, with my, you know, looking real hard and being, you know, super investigative, I was like, even I'm a little fooled. I was like, this is the best, this, this, whatever you call this, you know, piece of businesses where you wear the masks and you're hiding and blah, 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 and your twins or whatever. It's never been done better. Yeah. You just had to wait for one of them to throw a super kick. Yeah, it's true. But then it was <laughs> in the cage match. It's great. Cause okay. They're both wearing the masks, right? Of course, the full time they're fighting out of They're trying to get the mask off. They're trying to get the mask off. Once again, like there is not like a huge big payoff when they pull the mask off because we know who's under there. So like at one point they eventually uh, rip the mask off. Uh, I think it was Chris, and then like which caused the distraction for Gino to get the pin. And then later, you know, they get the heat back on him after they lose, which they always do. The Von Erics. Uh, it was cool. They did a cool move where he's like, I put him in an iron claw and the other one drop kicks him. And then he just, all that's left is him holding onto the mask. And it's like, oh, look, it's Gino. It's like, of course, we all knew who was under the mask. I don't know. It just, the payoff didn't seem as cool to me, but I was like, but from then on, they didn't wear the mask anymore. But I was like, wow, it never have the, has that gimmick been done better. And then we can get to Gino Hernandez, 1986 tan. Okay, which this where things got a little creepy because my first note was, Gino is tan, dot, dot, dot. He's dead in a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. This is January 85. He dies in February, or 86. I mean, January 86. He dies in February 86. Yeah, that's where, and then, like, that's where this whole match just got creepy because then I was like, all right, he dies a month later, but I was like, did he get all his hair back when he died? Like, in my head, I was like, he, I wanted him to at least die with a full head of hair back and everything. But, like, it's just, yeah. I don't know, it seems so tragic because it's like, okay, this match that match eventually they have their little um don't they have the little the their kind of breakup basically a little a little rift at the end yeah but that does lead to the breakup like i think this is their last tag match yeah and okay so first yikes is the wow gino's tan he's dead in a month the second yikes is oh there's Kerry wrestling barefoot for once i go that's kind of crazy, too, when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that part. Oh, no, Hold I on. definitely thought about that. I go, wow, this match just got creepy. You mean Cosmic Cowboy 2 was wrestling without shoes on? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, well, actually, both Cosmic Cowboys were. But usually Cosmic Cowboy 1, we're used to. But Cosmic Cowboy 2 wearing it, I was like, oh, <laughs> this is a little weird and a little telling because – one of those, one of those below the knees ain't coming back in, in a little bit. Yeah, this match is uh, so it's their last one together, and this is like, you know, usually if there's things to be done, it's it's uh, it's Chris Adams, like we said earlier. This one is like ninety ten Chris Adams. Yeah, yeah, and it's weird. Like I said, this is where I, I was looking too much into it because I was like, boy, Gino looks way more serious in this match. He doesn't quite see him himself. Like when he gets tagged in, he just looks off into space like he's looking for people. And like even the Von Erics, like, he, okay, here's where it got weird. Like he enters the ring and like Kevin or Carrie like walks over the corner and starts whispering to his brother like, 
And in my head, I'm looking way too deep. I'm like, what do they think's going on? Why is he acting weird? Is something weird? Is he looking for the people that are after him? Because that's the big whole thing is like, he got so paranoid. People were after him. People were after him. Yada, yada, yada. I was like, all right, I need to just watch this match for its match sake. Man, I'm telling you, me starting with that dark sides of the ring was a weird, uh, a weird option. I know. I totally thought that was weird. I called you out. I said, oh, that's a weird way in. But And that's the thing. Even afterwards, I was like, ooh, do I watch those things now? I was like, I don't know. I think I need a little distance. Yeah, for sure. I did not uh, notice Gino looking off into the distance, but if I did, I probably would have turned the TV off. I probably would have broke my TV. But you know what I mean? I also feel like they also use that clip in something when they've talked about it before and they were like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 and they show that. I feel like I've seen that before where he gets tagged in and he, he looks like to one side of the stands and looks at another stands and then just starts wrestling. And I was like, seems weird. But what really threw me was like, I'm looking too much into it. I know people. But like the Von Erichs go like, to have a little powwow for a second, like, does he seem weird? Something wrong with you? Something wrong with you? I don't know. What's up with the man? I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? I don't know. All right, let's go wrestle. All I know is that 1986 Gino Hernandez tan was the tannest of tans. Yeah, okay. That was the thing. At this point, they're no longer wearing the masks, and nowhere could they, because they looked like two different uh, ethnicities. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I can't believe I've made it through this entire podcast without pointing out how much Gino Hernandez looks like Scott Bale. Oh, of course. I think that was part of his, I think, don't you think that was part of his whole sexy man thing is because he looked like Chachi? I have, I don't know. I didn't see anything there. I, I saw no suggestion of, of him and Scott Bale, but uh, I know, but you, know what I mean? time... you know what I mean? You know how like there are guys who are like, quote unquote, you know, handsome man's like, oh, he looks like blah, blah, blah. Who's also a national, you know, heartthrob or something. Yeah. Gino Hernandez looks a lot like Scott Bale. And he was dressed to the nines. And okay. I want to get to this. I want to get to uh WWE network music blasphemy number 8,011. Watching their bad to the bone music video without bad to the bone playing is just the flattest thing in the world. <laughs> it, hurt, it hurt my soul because I watched it on the network first. And I was like, wow, that was a weird video. I go, I could have sworn it was going to be the bad to the bone video. And at the end, they hit the line bad to the bone. I was like, I didn't think anything of it. And then I went online and it popped up because I had been looking up their stuff. And I go, oh, okay, yeah, let me watch it. Here we go. Let me see the bad to the bone video. I go, it's the same video. I go, oh, yeah, the stupid network dubs the stupid shit. I go, oh, it pissed me off so much. Wow. Wow. I, as you started that that uh, that sidebar, I was like, oh, no, Cheech has more things he wants to get to. We got to wrap this up. <laughs> no, no, that was just definitely one of those things that, that definitely pissed me off because I didn't even notice it. I was like, oh, okay, I watched this video, and I go, Oh, okay. And I hit bad to the bone at the end. I go, oh, I would have thought this was the bad to the bone video. And then I saw it online. I was like, oh, crap. The network got me again. All right, Cheech. What made the dynamic duo great? They survived the Von Erics. Yeah, I, I was almost going to give you a very similar answer. You know what I mean? Okay. What made them great is like, okay, once again, it's something we've discussed previously. They are two great wrestlers put together. But they're also put together like at this perfect time in the perfect place where they're young and on fire. Like, okay, Gino dies at what, 28 or 26 it is? It's like these guys are in their prime in a territory that's on fire. And they're the they're kind of the oddball outs in that they're pretty boys and they're good workers when they're wrestling in Texas a bunch 
uh, amongst a bunch of big, giant, ugly guys, and then and then the greatest family in wrestling, or so they think in Dallas. You know what I mean? Right. But for them to stick out amongst all that as the pretty boys, and the fact, like we said, they were actually good wrestlers. It pisses me off. I was like, I would have loved to have seen them in like uh, wrestle like actual tag teams. But what they did with what they had was amazing. You know what I mean? I, there are very few teams I think could have gone in there in that in that atmosphere and done what they did. So uh, this happens to me a lot when we do this. Uh, my first impressions of the team, like one of the first things I write winds up being like just what sticks throughout and what, what really makes the team great. And right off the rip, I write they're handsome, they're charismatic, athletic for the time, great wrestlers. And like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like, especially in this time, because things like that are, are, are what you'll, you'll watch but you only catch the, the good stuff. So you just assume that that's the bar, but no other stuff that was going on was not this good. The other people were not this charismatic. The other people were not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's the thing. You also, you got to look at it like, yes, they're great for like, you know, in an all time state, but you also got to look at in their time. Cause once again, this is a one year run in a promotion that is at its peak, basically. And they, uh, were the perfect foils for the 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 tippy top baby faces. They were just, you know, almost like they were they were tailor made for them. Exactly, because you got to look at the opposites. the 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 biggest baby faces in the territory are homegrown Texas boys that are all brothers. And what are they battling? They're battling a rich guy who's a pretty boy and drives all the fast cars. He's the cool kid at school, and these are just the jocks. And then the other guy, this I'm sorry, this plays into it, is a foreigner who's a really good wrestler and kind of smug about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, perfect foils. They were 100%. So how would we defeat the Dynamic Duo? <laughs> I was loving this one. We would actually wrestle them. They wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> That's not true, though. I know they did wrestle with the, you know the Adiases and stuff, but still, like we got it. We would have to go. Unfortunately, that would be their weak point. Like you said, they don't have double teams. They're they're real good at fighting. We would have to force them to kind of wrestle. Yeah, that's true. Force them to wrestle. Uh, I have I have make make Gino start. It, it throws their whole dynamic off. I know, but here's the thing: he can he can wrestle. He can do it. But yes, we we have to make them uncomfortable. Yeah, because they're you make they're way too uh, when when things are in their favor, they're way too, they're way too good at it. So we got to keep things out of their favor. Yeah, and we we would defeat them. Uh, you would have to break up the pin after Gino Hernandez struts around the ring. Because I'd be like, all right, dude, that was awesome. Just just pin me. You got it. And lots of claws anywhere on the body. We claw it. Yeah, we we've also figured out they're very susceptible to the iron claw uh, because yeah. They've been worn down by years of the Von Erichs just gouging their nails in. Or they're just calloused up and we'll be screwed because it'll be, it'll be all for naught. But we, 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 can, we can go down swinging. Yeah. All right. We did it. That was the dynamic duo. We, uh, hopefully this uh, encourages some of you listeners to go uh, seek out a little dynamic duo. If you've never watched that Dark Sides, it's a, it's a trip. And if you don't know about you know, all the stuff about Gino Hernandez or, or Chris Adams. Yeah, it's uh it's it's wild. 
Yeah, or if you want the whole kit and caboodle, you can watch the uh, the Triumph and Tragedy on the network, or I believe there's the I can't remember the name now, or the Independent High Spots version online. You can get you can hear all about the tragedy with the Von Erichs too. You can get the whole kit and caboodle if you'd like. But <laughs> I say try and just go back and enjoy just what 1985 was in Dallas for all these for all these matches and all these people. That's what you got to enjoy. Enjoy that part. Yeah, for sure. Now that we've taken a historical trip down memory lane, we are wide open again. Yeah, I know. That's that's the cool thing. When you're when you're super early, when you're super recent, you can go anywhere. When you're super in the past, you can go anywhere. We did both of them, so now we're gonna find somewhere in between the years nineteen eighty five and twenty twenty one. Boy, I don't know. Uh, that might be tough. <laughs> really limiting our options. Yep. But once again, this was a fun trip to uh, Dallas, Texas. Yeah, it was. The and I sportatorium. And I am off on a trip of my own. I'm gonna wrap this up and I'm gonna put it all together tonight. So it might literally come out tonight, or if I can schedule it, it'll come out tomorrow. Sweet. But until then, adios.